All right, Shabbos say good morning, good morning. Let us, let us begin. We are Emir Hashem. First of all, begin by thanking, oh, thank you. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan, Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shemir Drushos this month in memory of Paul's father and mother, Shmuel ben Zechariah, and Sarah Bas Avram. We also thank Avram and Shane Dikamer for dedicating all the Shemir Drushos this month in memory of Sarah Braina. Bas Yoshua Heschel. Well, see, with that, let us begin. It's incredible, amazing. We're winding down towards the end of the Masechta. Thank you both. Winding down, to, uh, right. winding down towards the end of the Masechta. Today's now for Samech Dalet, 64. And we are picking up in Yeretz Hashem. Let's pick up on the bottom of Samech Gimel, base 63b, four lines up from the bottom. So also, if you remember again, we were talking about the really fascinating and riveting topic of Tumas Tahom. Right? Again, hidden Tumah. Hidden Tumah. So we're going to focus on this a little bit. Let's just reread the case of the Mishnah. So if you remember again, the Mishnah said as follows. The Mishnah said, I'm just going to quote to you. Ketzad, what's the case? Now, the Mishnah was trying to give a contrasting case of Tumah Yudua versus Tumas Tahom. So Ketzad, here was the case. Yarad Litbal Bimara. I'm just quoting to you from the Mishnah now, not yet from the Gemara. Yarad Litbal Bimara. If a person went down to go ahead and immerse in a, in a cave. Now we're talking about a cave that has an interior pool. It's a mikvah. So he's going into a cave to go ahead and immerse. Now what happened? Now we'll say afterwards, after he comes out of the mikvah, they find the corpse floating by the entranceway of the ma'ara, of the cave. What's the problem? What's the issue of here? The concern is maybe when I went to the mikvah in the cave, the corpse was under the same roof and therefore I'm tummy. I'm coming. So we'll say, what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, I'm coming. Now we'll say, this is a case of Tumah Yidua. Right? Why is this Tumah Yidua? Because since the corpse is floating on top of the water, right? It's known. It's known. And therefore that's Tumah Yidua. What's now? I just want to point out, we, we, I mentioned this in yesterday's nav. What's the issue over here? The issue over here is this is a Suffolk Tumah Birshus Hayachid. Right? Again, we'll say, let's just zero in. What's my question? What's, why, what's, what's the question in this case? Was this corpse floating in the cave under the same roof when I was there immersing? Right, you know, sometimes you're distracted, you don't know what's floating in the mikvah, right? So, so again, right, in general, you don't know what's floating in the mikvah, right? So, so let me say again, so over here, so that's the shayla. Was this corpse underneath the same roof as me when I was floating in the mikvah? When I, I'm not floating in the mikvah, when I was in the mikvah, right? That's the shayla, that's the shayla. So I'll say, so this is a case of Tumah Yudua. Now, why is this Tumah Yudua? Why is Tumah Yudua? Because since the mace is floating on the top of the water, the assumption is it was always on the top of the water. Fine. So that's case one. Dalok is your Tumah. That's a classic case, Tumah Yudua. Suffolk Tumah Bershus Hayochid is always dealt with as Tumah. We learned that out from Sota. Next, Mesechta. Fine. We'll say, the Mishnah then went on. Nimsa Meshukah Bekarka. We'll say, what happens if there was a corpse and the corpse itself was... Not, uh, yeah. uh, the, corp- the corpse itself was, thank you, the corpse itself was, at the end of the day, Meshukah Bakarka. Meshukah Bakarka means that Halacha Lamaiset was buried inside of, buried in, Meshukah means it was like embedded in the floor of the cave. So I'll say, so now, this is a case of Tumas Tahom. In this case over here, Salacha Lamaisa, again, the corpse was buried. So in that case, also, what did the Mishnah say? Now that again, that's Tumas Tahom. Why is that Tumas Tahom? Why is Tumas Tahom? No one knew about it. No one knew about it. So what's Salacha in that case? 
So in that case, the Mishnah says, everything depends on why you went into the body of water. Yarad lahakir tar, if you went in just to cool down, ultimately again you're tar. So litarmi tumas meis tamei. But if you went into the mikvah, ultimately again for immersion, for ritual impurity, for tumah, then ultimately again you're tamei. Why? Sheheskas tamei tamei, vecheskas tar tar. Because at the end of the Allah Moshe Misina essentially says that when there is tumas to home, essentially whatever your previous state was, that's the state which remains. Good. That's the case of the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is just illustrating, thank you. The Mishnah is just illustrating two different cases. Tumi Yudua, Tumas Tom. Beautiful. Let's go. Says the Gimar. Kesei Yarad. Safad, Safa, Eina Metame, Le'inyan Sharis. The Mishnah is interesting. So remember again, the illustration of the case of Tumi Yudua, right, is not a typical illustration, right? Because remember again, how does the Mishnah illustrate Tumi Yudua? The corpse is floating on the top of the water. The Gimar just points out over here, floating Tumi is only a problem by Tumas Mace. It is not a problem by Tumas Sharetz. By Tumas Sharetz. The Rebbe said, what does that mean? That if you see a floating Sharetz, actually take a quick look at Rashi. He says, Safa, three lines up from the bottom. Safa, inu metame le inu Sharetz. Kilomer afagav de Tumas Mace, Safa, metame bisafek maga. was right, if you have a floating corpse, so that's tame bisafek, like we saw in the Mishnah, like we saw the Mishnah Kiddislan, Kinimsa Mes, Tzapa Pneimai, Linyan Sheretz, Miha Eino Chashuva Latame Misafek. Shim Tzaf, Shim Sheretz, Tzaf Apneimaim, Safek Nogabo, Safek Lo Nogabo, Sveik Otar. So the boss is incredibly important. If you have a floating dead Sheretz, and it's a Safek, did you touch it? Didn't you touch it? It does not convey Tumah. So even though, again, a floating corpse, a floating corpse, Suffolk, was there contact, not contact. Suffolk, was there ohel, not ohel. Ultimately, again, will pose a problem of Tumah. Suffolk, floating, Tumas, Sharetz. wasn't good English, right? But again, if you have, yeah, Suffolk, Suffolk, floating, Sharetz, whether or not you came in contact with it, no Tumah. We'll say, by the way, I know we see these cases and we're like, okay, what am I doing here? Like, like what, what is it? We'll say, but understand, again, in terms of Beisamikdosh, where Tum and Tara plays a major role, so the Mice again, these halachos are incredibly important. So listen to this. So I'll say, where do we know this from? The Sanya. Suffolk Tumat Safa. So I'll say, if you have a Suffolk Tumat, floating Tumat, Bain Bekalim, Bain Bekarka, Tahora. Whether ultimately, again, the Tumat is floating, right? Karka, let's work backwards. Karka means in the water itself, right? Kalim means if it's floating in a cleat. So I will say, so remember again, a typical case of floating tumor. So I just want to point out what's happening over here. We have two cases right now of floating tumor, right? Case number one is a corpse. That was the case of the Mishnah. So I will say, if you're unsure, if you came in contact with a floating corpse, what's talaha? Tameh. Tameh. And now what I was introducing me to is, if there's a suffix, if I came in contact with a floating sheretz, what's talaha? Tar. Tar. So now the Bryce expands on this a little bit. The Bryce says as follows. Suffolk Tumat Safa. Let's say there's a Suffolk floating Tumma. Right? Did you come in contact with floating Tumma or not? Now we'll say, now where is the Tumma? Bain Bekalev, whether it's in a Kli, and the Kli is floating. Bain Bekarka, or ultimately, I will say in this context, means Karka means what? The water itself. The water itself. Tahora. Ultimately, again, one is Tahar. One is Tahar. Now, what's the reason for this? Rabbi Shimon Omer. So Rabbi Shimon says, Bekalim tumea bekarka tahor. Rabbi Shimon says, no, no, no. If the tumah is floating in a kli, it's going to be tameh. But if the tumah is floating in the water itself, it's going to be tar. They will say, this is too much, too much sheretz now. 
Tumas Sheretz. So Rebbe says, so where do we know this? From top of Samech Dalet. My time at the Tanakamo. Rebbe says, what's the Tanakamo's logic? That whether the Tumas floating in the water or whether the Tumas floating in a Kli, ultimately, again, it's going to be tar. On Rabbi Yisak Baravdimi, it was a top line, Samech Dalet, on 64a. On Rabbi Yisak Baravdimi, sorry, Siv, Bechol Sheretz HaShoretz. The Pasuk says on one hand, where does a Sheretz convey Tumah? Anywhere it shores, right? Anywhere ultimately again it crawls. The Chomogamshu, which sounds like I will say that's what? That a Sharis has the ability to convey Tuma where? 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 Anywhere. Anywhere. But yet it also says what? That it says Uksiv al But then it says on the earth. So we'll say, so which one is it? Is a Sharis essentially we'll say when the Pasik says, when the Pasik says Bechala Sharis has shores. Wherever it crawls, that sounds like wherever a sheretz is, it has the ability to convey tumah. Allah aretz sounds like it only has the ability to convey tumah on the earth, on land. So, by the way, when we say on land, on land also includes what? Floating in the water, right? So, which one is it? So, which one is it? Which Gemara says, Hakei Sad, Vadai Magao Tomei. Now, we'll say, if you know that you definitively came in contact with a sheretz, then ultimately, again, a sheretz has the ability to convey tuma how, right? Or through contact, anywhere, anywhere. So you touch a sheretz on land, you touch a sheretz on the water, you touch a uh, dead sheretz in the air, right? However you touch it, right? If you know that there was confirmed contact, you are tummy. On the other hand, suffolk mago tar. I will say, Tanakama holds that if there's a suffolk, whether or not you came in contact ultimately again with the Sharetz, then Suffolk Maga Sharetz is always going to be Tahar, no matter what, no matter what, where that potential contact, contact took place. So I'll say, this is the position of the Tanakama. The only time that Sharetz poses a problem is when there is Vadai Maga, definitive contact. And if there is definitive contact, where you, are touch, where you touch that Sharetz at the end of the day is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. Conversely, if there's suffix maga, you're not sure. You're not sure if you touch that sharetz or not. Salachalamaisa, that case is always going to be tar. Fine. Rebbe Shimon, my time. What's Rebbe Shimon's logic? Now, remember again, Rebbe Shimon said, Rebbe Shimon said, if you have suffix, suffix maga sharetz, and the sharetz is in a kli, ultimately again, tame, but if the sharetz is on the karka, tar. What's his logic? Amar uluksev achmayan uksev yitma. Shabbos says it's very interesting. So on one hand, the pasuk just just to quote you the Mark the pasuk achmayan ubar mikva maimiyatar. Shabbos say but like a spring of water, a spring of water or a well, ultimately it will be tar. Finogia benivla sam yitma. But one who touches an avela a carcass, ultimately again will be tame. Shabbos says what's going on in the pasuk? Watch this. Hakitzad. If the sheretz is floating in a kli, but it's on a body of water, and you're suffering whether or not you touch that sheretz, ultimately again, you'll be tameh. But if the sheretz itself ultimately again is on the karka, or in this case, floating on the water itself, and you're unsure, did you touch it or not? Again, you will be tahar. Between the Tanakama, ultimately again, and Rabbi Shimon. So I will say, we'll point out to you that the Rambam Paskins like the Tanakama. 
And therefore, when it comes to Tumas Sheretz Rosai, the only time that Tumas Sheretz poses a problem is when? Is when there's Vadai Maga, right? Ultimately, again, definitive contact. And when there is definitive contact, wherever that contact took place, right? Ultimately, again, on the water, on the land, in the air, in a Kli, it's, it doesn't matter. If there was definitive contact, there's Tumas. Rabbi is that whenever there's a Suffolk Maga by Sheretz, Right? Ultimately, again, possible contact. So something. Was there contact? Was there not contact? Tar. Good. So let's go weiter. Says the Gemara. Tan Rabbanon. Kalani Talin Bani Grarin Sveikon Tameh. This is really very interesting cases. Listen to this. Literally translated. Anything that's carried or dragged. Sveikon Tameh. I will say, what's the case over here? Take a look at the rush. The rush is in the left-hand column. Right, right to the beginning of the rush. Kalani Talin Bani Grarin. Listen to what it writes. Imnatal Sharetz Biado. If a person took a sharetz in his hand, right? or he dragged it on the earth, so we'll say, here's the case. In this case over here, a person is carrying the sharetz, or a person is dragging the sharetz. So we'll say, so in this case, there's definitive contact, right, between the person and the sharetz. What's the suffix? The suffix was, the person, let's say, is dragging the sharetz, or carrying the sharetz, next to taras, right, pure items. Pure items, truma, let's say, right? So we'll say, now, what's the shayla? The shayla is, did the sharetz come in contact with the talus? That's the fundamental question over here. Suffolk naga, suffolk lo naga. So Rosh says, Sveikon tameh, delo chashiva tumat safa, keven shubiyad adan. I'm saying, now watch this. So you see what's different? So in the previous case, we were talking about, again, did the sharetz come in contact with the person adan? That was a suffolk. In this case, Ruvain is dragging a sharetz. He's dragging the sheretz. He happens to pass by truma. What's the suffix over here? What's the suffix? Did the sheretz touch the truma or not? So we'll say, what's that law? I'll call it in We'll say, in this case, suffix is tamei. Why? We will say, because this is not considered to be a case of tzafa. This is not considered to be a case of floating tuma. Because since ultimately, again, a person is holding the sheretz, it's as if the sheretz is actually at rest. Van is rocking. But conversely, Abba said, listen to this. If you threw a sheretz, and you're not sure, Abba said, what's the concern over here? Did the sheretz potentially again go over Taros? Did it touch Taros in its trajectory? So if it was thrown, sveik on tar. Ultimately, was in this case, a suffix will be tar. Right? So suffix contact with a thrown sheretz ultimately again will be tar. Again, well, if you look at the rush again, Van is rocking, Im Zarkan Ba'avir, Eight Sel Taras, Afa Pisha Bamikoacha Adam, Hashav Tumat Safa. I will say, see what's happening over here? Remember, I will say, remember, how do we paskin? Any Raman Paskins, any time there's a suffix contact with floating, with floating sherets, what's Talacha? Tahar. Right? Tahar. Ultimately, again, the Gemara says, right? So therefore, the Gemara just pointing out over here is, a thrown sheretz is considered to be floating sheretz. A dragged sheretz or a carried sheretz is not considered to be floating sheretz. It's considered to be stationary sheretz. Well, suffix tumah with stationary sheretz is going to be tumah. Incredible. So the Gemara says, chutz, the, only exe- the, only, the only exception to this is, chutz min kizayis min hames. I'll say if you have a kizayis of a corpse, I will say now in this case over here, or if there's a suffix, if someone hovered over Tumah. 
So we'll see if you look at the rush once again very quickly. The rush says over here, Chutz Mikizayis Minameis Shezarko Shezarko Safik Hel Al Taros Tmeim the Taros Toma Safa Mikrais. Let's listen to this. So the only exception to this is as follows. Even though we just said before that Allah might say if you throw a Sharas, right? If you throw Toma, so ultimately again that's considered to be Toma Safa. That's considered to be floating Toma, and therefore again it's Tar. The exception to this is Kizayis Minameis. But if you throw a kizayis minames, and there's a suffix after it was thrown, did it hover over Taros or come in contact with Taros? That is going to be resolved stringently. That's going to be considered to be Tameh. So we're going to say if there's a suffix as to whether or not I hovered over Tumah. Those, those cases will be resolved ultimately stringently. As well, we'll say, what else are we stringent with? Any type of Tumah that has the ability to convey Tumah from top down. We'll say that comes to include a case of what? Of Zav and Zava. So we'll say, what's the case of Zav and Zava? Remember again, Zav has this interesting Allah where if a Zav sits on a pile of cushions, what's the Allah? Ultimately, the entire pile is going to go ahead and become tummy. So, if you have a suffix in a case like that, that suffix will also be resolved stringently. So, I will say, let's go with what we know. So, 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 what do we know so far? Some very interesting facts emerging from this discussion. So, fact number one, I will say, the way we paskin is Tumas Sheretz Safa, or sorry, Tumas Sheretz Safa, floating Tumas Sheretz, and you're not sure ultimately again, did you touch it or not? What's Talaka? Tar. That's a pass like Trabana. That's a pass like Trabana. So I'll say that's case number one. Right? Case number two, I'll say is it's too much sharas that is being carried or being dragged and a suffix, whether or not that sharas touched Taurus, what's the halacha? Tame. Why? Because carried or dragged sharas is like what? Stationary sharas. Good. Fact number two. Right? So I'll say again, right? Those are primary facts. However, thrown sheretz, right? Thrown sheretz in Israqin has the same status as what? Floating sheretz. And therefore, suffix contact, ultimate not sure if it came in contact, that will be resolved leniently, leniently. There are exceptions to the thrown rule. Tumas exais but we're going to leave that on the side. Fine. Let's go right there. Let's see. Here we go. Some really interesting cases over here. Mespikli. We'll say, watch this. So now remember again, what about the following situation? Let's say you have a mace, either a corpse itself or a piece from a corpse that is floating in a utensil. All right, it's in a utensil and the utensil is floating in the water. So I will say, so Mahu, what is the halacha? What is the halacha in a case like this? Now I will say, now take a look, by the way, before we go on, take a look at the rush. So the rush says, Meis bikli uklit safa gabi amayim viyaduahu shlohiyel alav o misaf galay im naga im lo naga v'adin tahanimi lemibayi sharus bikli. So we'll say, now watch this, watch this. Here's the case. There's a corpse in a kli. A corpse in a kli. The, the rush says, by the way, it could be a corpse in a kli or it could be ultimately, again, it could be, it could be a sharetz in a kli. The shaila is the same. So the corpse, right? I say, let's actually go with the sharetz because it's more exciting with the sharetz because we just learned this. We'll say, what's the halacha? What's the halacha with tumat safa by a sharetz? What's the halacha? Floating sharetz. What's the halacha? You're not sure. Did you come in contact with it or not? What's the halacha? Tahar. Tahar, right? Because again, we're lenient with floating sharetz. We'll say, this is great. This is great. So we'll say, so now what happens if the sharetz is floating in a kli, 
Right? Remember again, typical, typical floating sharetz. What is the sharetz floating on? Nothing. It's in the water. Now the sharetz is on a kli floating in the water. I'm not sure did I come in contact with it or not. What's talacha? Shabbos said, this is such a great question. Such a great question. Right? Said, What's the shayla? Mao. Basar kli azlinon. O basar misa azlinon. Shabbos said, what's the shayla? This is so riveting. The shayla is, when I look at that sharetz, I'll say, how do I view it? Do I look at the sharetz as stationary or as, or as floating? Let's work backwards. Why would I look at it as floating? It's in water. Why would I look at it as stationary? It's in a clean. So I'll say, you hear the shayla? Right? It's a definitional shayla. On one hand, the sharetz is, is float, it's, it's on the water. But it's not floating directly on the water, it's floating in a clean. So is this a stationary sharetz? Or is this floating sharetz? I will say, now you'll see, see before you came to share today, if somebody would have asked you this question, you would have said, who cares, right? It makes no, like leave me alone, right? Now I will say, now I realize it makes a world of difference. Why? Because a floating sharetz, suffolk maga is taha. Suffolk Maga sounds like a political movement, right? Yeah. right so Suffolk Maga, right? So I'll say, so ultimately, again, right? So Lemaisa, so, so, so Lemaisa, Lemaisa, Suffolk Maga on floating sharets is tar. Suffolk Maga on stationary sharets is tame. So now both say, so now the sharets in a kli on the water. So how do I look at it? Is it, is it floating sharets or ultimately stationary sharets? In other words, do I judge the position of the sharetz vis-a-vis the water or vis-a-vis the kli? Okay, so Mar says, Imtim Salomar. Now, we're going to build a whole bunch of questions, one on top of the other. Imtim Salomar, Basar Kli Azlina. So we'll say, if you say we go after the kli, and therefore, again, this is considered to be a stationary sharetz, Basar Kli Azlina, Mace Agabi Sharetz Mahu. Who? We'll say, watch this, watch this. What happens if you have a corpse or a piece of a corpse, because I speak on Mace even? on top of a sharetz, right? So we'll say, now watch this, you've got a sharetz floating on the water, and then a kezayis mace on top of the sharetz. Now watch this, we'll say, mahu, what's the aloha? Kevan dahai tumas, erevahai tumas, shiva. So we'll say, look, obviously two different types of tumah. Remember, if you come in contact with the sharetz, that is only a one-day tumah, a one-day tumah. So do we say, do we, and remember again, come in contact with the dead, with, with the corpse, obviously, is a seven-day tumah. So the Gemara says, the shiva, kiman dimachto tumah b'kli damya. So we'll say, maybe because there are two dissimilar types of tumah, we view the kizais in a maze like it's sitting in a kli. Like it is sitting in a kli, right? We'll view the sharets like the kli, and therefore the mace is sitting in a kli, and therefore again, maybe the mace is stationary. All dilma, tumah smichtihi. Or maybe I will say, what? Or maybe, or maybe, it's just what considered to be one thick form of tumah. Okay? So the Gemara says, And if you want to go with the premise, that what? That when you have the Kizayis Minamais sitting on top of a shard floating in the water, we view the Kizayis Minamais as if it's sitting in a kli, and therefore stationary. And therefore any suffix contact with that Kizayis Minamais will be dealt with stringently. So now listen to this. So the Gemara says, "Kiman tuma damyo vaday sheretz al gabe nevela." Ooh, interesting. And we'll say, what happens if you have a piece of sheretz floating on top of a piece of nevela in the water? So we'll say, what's talach over here? Mahu. So do we say kevan de tarvayu tumas erev inun tumas michtihi? And we'll say, in this case, as opposed to the previous case, 
where you have Tumas Mace floating on Sharetz. So Rebbe was saying, why in the case of Tumas Mace floating on Sharetz can you view this Sharetz as a Kli for the Mace? Why is that? Because there are two distinct forms of Tumah. Well, what about if you have Sharetz floating on Nevela? Then I both say, halachically, Sharetz and Nevela are pretty much the same thing. Why? Why? Because they're both one day Tumah. So maybe Rabbi will say, maybe because they both have the same stat, the same type of Tumah, it's just considered to be one thick piece of Tumah, and therefore this is considered to be a suffix, a flo- suffix floating Tumah. Oh, Dilma, Haik his eyes, Haik Adasha. Both say, on the other hand, they are distinct. Why are they distinct? Because we'll say the Tumah of Sharetz could be even, remember again, it's on a Sharetz of any type of size, even a, even a minuscule Sharetz, the size of a lentil, versus Tumas Levela, which is only what? A Kizayis. Maybe since they have two different shrooms, they're distinct enough to say that the Nevela should be like the Kli for the Sharetz. And both say, oh, Dil, right? So fine, if that's the case, if that's the case, both say, it gets more exciting. Sharetz Agave, Sharetz! And both say, wow, what happens if you have a Sharetz floating on top of another Sharetz? So what's Allah Mao? Hani vadechat shiurinu. So we'll say on one hand, right? It's one shear. So we'll say, remember again, our fundamental shayla we'll say is, and, and now you see it really does make a world of difference. How do you view one type of tumah floating on another type of tumah? Is it considered to be like the top tumah is in a kli and therefore stationary and therefore suffix contact with it makes the person tumah or not? It's just considered to be all floating tumah. Some will say in last, not last case yet, we have sharets on top of sharets floating. Floating. Now I will say, so what's Allah over here? Now obviously, Hani Vadaichachiuraninu. So I'll say obviously it's all the same shear, because it's sharats and sharats. Oh Dilma, Kevan de Mifsiki Mehadadilo. Or maybe not. Maybe because they're two separate entities. Then what Rabbi said, since they're two separate entities, Sahalofalamaisa, the bottom sharats could serve as a cleave for the upper sharats, and therefore this is a case of stationary sharats, not floating sharats. Vim tin salomar. Sharetz al gabi sharetz. So I will say, maybe I'll say like this. Maybe even when one sharetz is floating on another sharetz, kevan demifski me'adadi, since they're separate entities, kiman deman chabekli dami. Ultimately, again, it is as if the upper sharetz is resting in a utensil. Sharetz al gabi nevela shirimichu. Oh, all right. Watch this. What about a sharetz that's resting on dissolved nevela? Dissolved nevela. So we'll say, what's the halach over here? Mao, kevan dinimucha havile mashke. So we'll say, maybe we'll say, look, you know, you know what dissolved nevela is? I mean, gross, right? But things that, right? What's, what, right? Dissolved nevela, we'll say, is liquid. Is liquid, right? So maybe since it's liquid, clearly again, the sharetz is floating. The sharetz is floating. Odoma, hai ochluhu. Or no, we'll say, on the other hand, on the other hand, no, we're not going to call dissolved nevela. Water, it's not going to be mine. Why? Because it's still food. It's still food. So yeah, because it's still food, since it's supporting the sharetz, it's enough to say that the sharetz is in a kli. Now we'll say, here we go. Alright, now it's a party, right? So we'll say, so now, right? So, so, now, so now what happens over here? So we'll say, so now let's say you have, again, I will say, you understand, we're, we're just trying to figure out. We're just trying to figure out, I will say, What's the definition of stationary versus what's the definition of floating? So I'll say, so what happens if you have sharetz floating on top of Sheikh Zerah? So I'll say, what's the halacha in this case over here? Mahu. Mahu. Imtin salomar kevan demis akra haviki uchla. Now I'll say, let, let's understand this phrase. 
since it's separate from the body, ultimately it's uchla. Rabbi will say uchla, like uchla literally means food. It's not suggesting that Sheikh Vazara, that semen is food. What, what it's saying over here is, maybe when something becomes a separate and distinct, distinct entity, it's looked at as a separate and distinct entity. So therefore, if you have a sheretz floating on top of Shikhvas Zera, so the sheretz is considered to be in a kli. Since the Shikhvas Zera itself is its own independent entity, therefore, the sheretz is considered to be at rest, and therefore any suffix contact with the sheretz is again going to be ruled Tomei. Therefore, again, follow question will be Sheretz Agave Mechatos. So, let's listen to this. What happens if you have a Sheretz floating on top of Mechatos? So, say Mechatos is Paraduma water, right? Paraduma water. So, imagine you have the mixture of Mechatos, it's floating on the water. Sheretz is floating on top of that. Or Mechatos Safon Agave Mayim. Now, let's say now the Mechatos, the Paraduma water itself, is floating on top of the water. Mahu. Ultimately, you want to say, what's that? So, let's say, so now, Question upon question upon question upon question. What does the Gemara answer? Lo yadinon teiku. We don't know. You know so, so again, I will say, what, what, what it really comes down to is, if, obviously, I want to point out, what do you do, again, in these cases that you don't know? So generally, again, although they're not all resolved the same way, but generally, they'll be resolved stringently. So I will say, really, this gets into a fundamental definition. Here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. What I do know is, that if there's a suffix contact, with floating sherets, that is resolved leniently. But if a sherets ultimate suffix contact with a, with a, um, with a, we'll call it grounded sherets, ultimately again will be tame. Will be tame. What this girl is just trying to figure out over here is what is what happens when something is floating on top of something else. Do we consider the item to be at rest, grounded, right? Since it is contained in something else, or no? Since ultimately it's floating on top of the water, albeit with a separation from the water, it's considered to be at rest. So I will say that tension, the Gemara does not resolve. Pretty fascinating. Good. I will say Amud Beis. Amud Beis says the Gemara. Amrav Hamuna Nazir va'Ose Pesach. So I will say so switching gears a little bit over here. Nazir va'Ose Pesach Shahal bekevra ta'on b'shvi shalom. So I will say let's go. Let's finish up the Amud. Right, because uh, yeah, we don't have the luxury of falling. We have a little bit. We can fall behind a little bit. So I'm from Nazir was a very interesting case. You have a nazir. You have a nazir. Right. So, or, or somebody going to offer up carbon pesach. Now, we'll say in these individuals, they were tummy. They were tummy. And now, what happens? It's the seventh day of their purification process. So we'll say this is a very straightforward case. So, right? So you have a nazir who became tameh. How did he become tameh? He came in contact with a corpse. What's the process for becoming purified from a corpse? What's the process? Seven-day purification process. Fine. He goes to a seven-day purification process. He's at the tail end of it. It's day number seven. And what ends up happening? He comes in contact with tumas tahov. That's the case. So I'll say now. Remember, how does that play out? The way it plays out, I'll say, is right. It's day number seven. He ends up. Let's just keep it simple. He ends up walking over a grave that no one knew about. Okay. Now I'll say, when does the nazir? Let's keep with nazir. When does the nazir find out about it? When does he find out about it? Now remember again. I'll say the nazir has no idea. Remember what is he? Just to be clear, Ruven is a nazir. Ruven came in contact with a corpse. He knew about it, right? So what does that do? It's so sad, the Nazir Sapanzo now, he goes through the purification process, does his shaving, and then what? Restarts again. He restarts again. Let's say now he does his Nazir Naziris, another 30 days. 
he concludes his Nadir Nazirus. After he concludes his Nadir Nazirus, he finds out that what? That he became, he was exposed to Tumas Tahom on the seventh day of the purification process from his Nazirus Patumo. See, he, he's already done. Look at the Rasha just a moment. The Rasha says, In this case over here, the Nazir only finds out about the, about the exposure to the Tumas Tom when he's done. Right? His Nazirus is a distant memory. He's done already. But then he finds out that on the seventh day of the purification process, that what? That Lamaisa, he was exposed to Tumah. So I both say, what happens in this case? So what's Talacha? Tahorin. Ultimately, again, they're Tahar. My time, what's the reason? The low Alima Tumas Hatom Lamistar. Because we're both saying Tumas Tahom, ultimately, again, is not strong enough to go ahead and undo the purification process once it's already on its last day. So both say, the Gemara is introducing us to something a little bit different over this. What Hamnuna is saying is, exposure to Tumas to home sometimes can undermine, but if the exposure takes place on the seventh day of the purification process, which is what, Rabbi which is what, which is what? The last day of the purification process, Tumas Tahom cannot undermine the Tara process when the Tara process has already reached its final stage, i.e. day number seven. That's Rav Hamnuna's thesis statement. Massive Rav, Rav is in one second. Look at the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? Yara litar metumas hames. say, but our Mishnah doesn't say that. I remember again, so what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says, if you have a person, presumably again, it could be even Nazar Tameh, who went into the cave, to go ahead and what? To immerse for his Tumah, and then he finds out later on that what? That there was a body, a dead body buried on the, in the earth of the cave. What's Ta'alacha? If he went in Tameh, he remains Tameh. And I will say the Parshas, that can even be a seventh day immersion. So that's a case of Tumas Tahom on day number seven, and yet I will say, what is the Mishnah saying? What is the Mishnah saying? It does make a person Tameh. So, kind of, so, so Rav is contradicting Rav Hamuna. Amarleh, I would agree with you in a case, ultimately, again, if we're talking about Tuma exposure, before the Nazir took his haircut, then I will agree with you that ultimately, again, exposure to Tumas to home before the Nazir took his haircut will go ahead and undermine his Tara. But ultimately, I will say, but remember again, what are we talking about over here? We're talking about a case over here where, where was the Tumas Tahom discovered? Or excuse me, when was it discovered? When was it discovered? After the Nazir finished everything. I must remember again, he's finding out now, after he brought his Karbanos, after he did his hair cutting, he finds out now that what? That on the day seven of his purification process, he was exposed to Tumas Tahom. That's what Ramuna says, that's what I'm gonna say. Tumas Tahom doesn't have an impact. The Mishnah's case, is where he finds out about his exposure when? Before his haircut. Shabbat Muna says, okay, I'll, I'll agree with you in that case as well. Armali Rabba Rabba says, you know what you're saying, God? I will also agree with you in the case of Osef Pesach, in the case of the guy who's going to do his carbon Pesach, that I will say in that case, since he's missing nothing on the seventh day of his purification process, that if he is exposed to Tumas Tahom on day number seven of his purification process, it will not undermine the purification. So, so remember again, the case of Ose Pesach, 
is the case of the guy who wants to do Karim Pesach, he experienced Tumas Mace, he's on the seventh day of his purification process, so that now he can go to offer up Karim Pesach. Rava will say that if that guy is exposed to Tumas home on day number seven of the purification process, Rava says, Rav Hamuna, I'll agree with you that Tumas home doesn't do anything to that guy. Why? Because since that guy is not missing anything anymore. In other words, he's already gone through all of the parts of his purification process. Exposure to Tumas the home on day number seven will not undermine his pur- his, pur- his, 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 pur- his purification. But he is missing something. He is missing something. Remember again, even on day number seven, I will say, the purification on day number seven is not complete until when? It's not complete until when? Sunset. So he is missing purification. He is missing sunset, to which Rav will respond, Shimsha Memela Arva. We don't view it, we'll say it's fascinating. On day number seven, as much as you need, as much as you need sunset, we don't view the absence of sunset as what? Something missing from your purification process. Why not? Because sunset will come on its own. Right? In other words, I will say, the parts of the purification process that we view as missing are parts that you have control over. Purificate, right? Sunset will come. So I will say, by the way, it's a very profound statement. But I will say, you know, sometimes this is like the greatest chizik. You know, whenever you're having a very bad day, just always remember, shimsha mamela arva. The day's going to be over. It's, it's a very important episode. Sometimes I'm say, again, I have a day. I don't mean like a bad day necessarily, even just because something's going to be a bad day because of stuff that happened. I will say sometimes the worst days are the days that I make bad because of bad decisions that I have made. And I will say sometimes it feels like the sky is falling on those days when I've just really made some very poor life decisions. It's important to know, Shim Shema Arba. The day will end. The day will end. And I will say, what happens when the day ends? There's another pasuk. What's the other pasuk? Uba Shemesh Vitaher. Right, they will say the Bashan of says one of the most beautiful and incredible Pesukim of all time. Right? Why? Because what's the Bashan Shetaher? The sun goes down, the day is over, and another one begins. And no matter how badly I may have messed up the previous one, new day always brings new opportunity. So Shimsham Mela Arva, don't worry, as bad as it is, it comes to an end. Ultimately, again, new day brings untold opportunities. Well, so let's just finish up. Therefore, Abaye says that Allah Kalamaisa, or excuse me, Rubber responds, hair of Shemesh is not considered to be something missing from the Torah process because Allah Kalamaisa, it occurs on its own. We'll say very quickly, even Abaye, even Abaye recanted on this. The Sanya, Biyom Maloz Tabi, Toch Maloz Lo Tabi. We'll say just very quickly. This is talking about a woman. Remember, again, a woman has a girl. Fuming his birth to a girl, Halacha la Maisa, she is Tamea for 14 days and then to hold her for the next 66 days. On day number 81, she goes in and she brings a carbon. So I will say, let's say she miscarries again during the course of those days. So Yomulos, if she miscarries on day number 80 or day number 81, then she has to bring an additional carbon. Tochmulos lo sabi. But if she goes out and she miscarries within the previous 80 days, she does not have to bring an additional carbon, but rather she's Yotse with the carbon she's already bringing. You might have thought that Allah Lamaisal. She does not have to bring a carbon for a Leda before those 80 days, but she does have to bring on a Leda after. And then she can go ahead and be Yotse 
two births with one with one carbon. Only if it happened literally again on the concluding day, i.e., day number eighty or eighty-one. Right? Ultimately, again, I'm just going to do this quickly. It's different over here. Ultimately, because the Molos is not completed, ultimately, until when? Until she is, until, because she's missing a carbon. I in the case of where, ultimately, again, she miscarried on day number 81. She's also missing something. This whole case ultimately was just brought to show us that what? When a person is Tameh and they're missing sunset, the only thing they're missing from their tarot process is sunset, they are not considered to be missing anything. In other words, the only time one is considered to be deficient in their tarot process is when? When they're missing something over which they have control. When the only thing I'm missing ultimately again is of Shemesh, is sunset, that's not considered to be as if there is something deficient from my Tara process. Why? Because the sun sets on the side. Therefore, what comes out from this sugi is something very interesting, is Rav Hanuna's idea that exposure to Tumas Tahom on day number seven of the purification process will not undermine Nezirus. As long as what? When are you discovering this piece of knowledge? When are you discovering this? Already after the fact, after you finish your hair cutting, and after you finish ultimately again your karbanos, well, karbanos and then hair cutting, if you find out that you were exposed to Tumas Tahom way back when on the seventh day of your purification process, that exposure will not undermine your purity. Abba saying, Shkayach. All right, Chevron Zoom, have a great day, everyone.